Welcome to the Arcanum Life Academy. Thanks for joining us for our weekly podcast, Time to Fly. I'm your host, Diane Parker. Stay with me as we discuss ancient mysteries and the latest scientific discoveries, all with an eye on making sure you live your optimal life. Don't stay stuck where you stand when you were meant to soar. It's time to fly. This week's episode is called Toe Stubbing 101. You know, I used to be a connoisseur of fine exercise equipment, and like fine wine, I kept it all stored in a cool, dark basement out of sight. Just like wine, none of it was completely out of mind. Yeah, I know it was there. I knew it would be good, maybe even enjoyable if I used it, but I didn't imbibe except on rare occasions. Eventually, I sold it all off like the rare collection it was. I always felt guilty, as if I'd sold something of great sentimental value. True to my collector's nature, I acquired one more piece after years of subduing the urge. It was a subtle piece, a treadmill without bells and whistles, powered only by my moving feet. It would fold away, sort of, but it still had a rather large footprint. As out of place as it was in the living room, I refused to store it away in the dark coldness of the basement. I chose instead to keep it in full view, shaming me into making it and my body move. At this point, I would say I was probably about 60 pounds overweight. That fact alone wasn't enough to supply me with sufficient shame, ironically. I, like most women, had secretly waited for years for skinny in a bottle to finally be birthed. It never happened. The only other piece of health equipment I bought afterwards was a small little bracelet to further my shame. It vibrated in protest when I sat sedentary for far too long. I sporadically listened to both the treadmill and the bracelet but more often I showed them who was truly boss in this relationship. The treadmill was the producer of much pain in my life. The pain didn't come in the form of sweat or exhaustion. It came in the form of stubbed toes and actually bloodletting crashes. The thing literally jumped out in front of me every time I came within two feet of it. It was calling to me. And I'm sure it wasn't asking me to reply with the flurry of profanity that often accompanies an unexpected boo-boo. You know, I've personally never been much of a potty mouth. Profane words just never fit my mouth quite right, so I didn't use them. I did think them loudly on occasion, which is the same thing as saying them when you get right down to it. I knew that something had to be done about this menacing treadmill. I had choices. I could sell it to spite it. I could burn it in effigy on a funeral pyre. I could relegate it to the detention in the basement. I could listen to the messages it and my jewelry were sending me. I could use all that I've learned in the last 40 years to rise above it. Something to do with two birds, one out in the end. I began to practice 
walking meditation with my treadmill. I learned some profound things along the journey to nowhere or now here in my meditative state. First and perhaps most profoundly, Fitbits don't record movement if you hold on. You have to move with abandon, without training wheels, without safety grips, without bars. Secondly, you have to walk blindly if you are going to hear the messages within your core. And third, you have to make friends with anything that has caused you pain in the past. You have to rise above and you have to think about any aspirations that you long for. To me, that meant no hands, no eyes, and no judgment. Focus, forgiveness, and faith could be my only companions along the journey. I couldn't have asked for better ones. It's a path I keep to daily, one step at a time. I began to realize that life gives us a little jolt, sort of a vibrational wake-up call when there's something we should be noticing. Just like a Fitbit, it's meant to wake us up from our sedentary coma. There's something we've been missing. We're called to notice the profound beauty that surrounds us. And just like that stub toe inflicted by that treadmill, sometimes the message comes wrapped in pain. If we ignore it, rest assured that there's more pain that lies in our future. If we focus only on the pain and not the message, profanity is likely to be the only byproduct. If we let go of the anger, the profane, the sadness, the guilt, the judgment, only the beauty of the message remains. That beauty is wrapped in pure potential, infinite possibilities for where we go from here. How utterly amazing is that. Nothing in our alleged past grants us the possibilities that exist in the here and now. If anything, the past has been inflated into something that never really existed, except in the crevices, the dark cold basements of our minds. Scripts that others have written get jumbled up and hardwired in our neurons. Sometimes we are the authors of our fantastic fiction. No matter the collaborators, it is usually a tragedy of Shakespearean proportion. We are not meant to relive Groundhog Day. Much like our tragic stories, it was only a movie. We can flip or retune the channel to a different wavelength. The effing system I've created helped me break free from my personal, constant, tragic loop. You can find a full discussion of the system in my new book, I'm Invincible, Moving from Victim to Victor by Invoking Your Superpowers. You can find this book and many more tools on our main website. That's www.myartlogic.com. I'll go over it here as well, but be sure to follow up our discussions with these tools that I've made available to you for your personal ongoing use. The effing system is real simple to understand, but don't let that fool you. Occam's razor or the law of parsimony provides a perfect backdrop for this discussion. 
It's a problem-solving tool that simply states, among competing hypotheses, the one with the fewest assumptions should be selected. That perfectly describes the effing system. And with a name like the effing system, it's not easily forgotten. So here are the rules for this brilliant system. There are four F situations in life that require a two F response. Every other situation requires a three F response. Thus concludes the rules. But now let's discuss the Fs. The four F situations are straightforward. They are fire, flood, famine, and ferocious beast. When you are confronted with any of these, then a primitive 2F response, the fight-or-flight response, is appropriate. This, sadly, is the response that our subconscious mind tries to serve up constantly, even when a 3F response is far more appropriate. The 3F responses are focus, forgiveness, and faith. I've found it's best to keep them in that exact order. Now, to walk you through the system, let's look back at my treadmill experience. My treadmill, although sometimes menacing, did not present me with a 4F situation. While it inflicted stubbed toes and sometimes gashed feet, no fire, flood, famine, or even a ferocious beast lived within it. Therefore, my appropriate response should have been from the beginning to focus on the message to forgive anything myself or others have done that seem to inflict painful past memories buried deep within the message, and finally to have faith that brighter days lie beyond the boo-boos once I set free the debilitating past. Instead, I chose the inappropriate fight-and-flight response because I did boo-boos continued until I chose the simplified 3F response. For those of you who are saying or thinking, which really is the same thing, that it's only a treadmill and not like problems in your life, I humbly suggest you think again. This system works on every problem, big or small, and the treadmill really was a metaphor for some really big demons residing in my psyche. Among them were procrastination, big, 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 lack of commitment, fear of change, failure to take responsibility for my life. Now, problems big or small grow when we bury them in the basement. They become the stuff of our nightmares at first, then occupy far too much of our waking thoughts, whether we admit it or not. When they do, they grow to epic proportions. Here are some examples. Your dad told you that he loved your crooked little nose. You became self-conscious of what you thought was a physically grotesque bump of a breathing apparatus on your face. You hid your face from the world. Your mom fed you junk food because she lacked time enough to prepare, prepare healthy meals. You grew up blaming her for your out-of-control weight issues, as if she didn't carry enough guilt already, even though you've been able to make your own choices about the food you eat for decades. You hid yourself from the world in mounds of fat and flesh, and you now feed your children the same kind of comfort foods. 
you were too self-conscious to go to that big promotion at work and to even try for it. Although your work is better, the promotion was given to a less than stellar co-worker. You silently stewed for years, blaming everyone but yourself for your misery. All of these are examples of stubbed toes that have festered. Steps on a treadmill untaken. Give yourself a gift. Clean out your basement. Buy my book that I've talked about here today and and give it to others on your friend list, other relatives, people in need. It is a gift that truly will keep on giving through the years. Change your life. Change your mind. Change your focus. And you'll change your fortune. Become invincible. Thank you for joining me for this very first episode of what I hope will be many more times we spend together. You've been listening to the Arcanum Life Academy. I'm your host, Diane Parker. Thanks so much for joining us. And be sure to tune in next week for a new episode. But until then, find a reflection of every change you desire in your life, in the world around you, and within you. Keep flying high!